Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking this out. So, Tuesday night. It's the 19th. Tomorrow's the 20th. Tomorrow's the day when the new chapter will come out in full. Actually, it'll come out any, any minute now. Uh, I think it may have already come out in certain countries. Um, that said, I just want to give you a quick rundown of the leaks that came out over the last week or so. Um, I've been sticking to the Wednesday schedule pretty well, I think. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, we're putting on an episode today. Uh, we'll talk about the full manga chapter uh, on Saturday night. So if you're a Patreon member at uh, that $5 tier, uh, check your inbox for information for our Saturday night chat. Uh, but yeah, I just want to run down a couple of these, uh, draft spoilers. So for chapter 68 of Dragon Ball Super. And then on the other side of this will be a conversation I had last night with Anthony Gramulia from comicbookresources.com. I feel like I should just start saying Anthony Gramulia with Ant. Cause like he, he's on the show pretty regularly now. Like, yeah. Plus, you know, if you're a patron you may or may not have listened to the brainstorming session we had. Uh, me and Ant are working on some other stuff as well. So uh, me and Ant, on the other side of this, are talking about uh, the first two episodes of WandaVision uh, and in turn, a bunch of Marvel news, uh, including some Spider-Man 3 stuff, Doctor Strange 2, and Chris Evans, uh, supposedly, anyway, returning as Captain America. So... Um, that'll be up in just a minute, uh, real quick on these spoilers. So the big things with the draft, uh, panels that came out over the last week or so, um, the character of Granola has a series of nightmares, a series of recurring nightmares, I guess, about the extinction of his planet, uh, that was brought upon uh, at the hand of the Saiyans. And in that dream, uh, we do get a visual of a Saiyan transforming, and then we see the face of the Saiyan. Got a very noticeable uh, scar, X-shaped scar on his cheek. Um, a lot of people think that it will be, uh, that makes that makes it Bardock. Uh, very well could be. Um, it would make sense for it to be Bardock. Otherwise, uh, why throw that scar on its cheek, right? Um... We'll see what happens there, but I think it's interesting that we now know that Granola's, uh, he's the survivor of uh, a Saiyan, you know, wiping extinction of his planet. So that's what he survived. Um, not like the erasure of a universe like some people had thought. Uh, he, you know, he wasn't like, uh, I, we'll, we'll see, but he's the survivor of a planet that was erased by the Saiyans. Meanwhile, He's also capturing or recovering, you know, the remainder of 7-3. We saw that at the end of last chapter. We don't know what for, but we do see him drop it off to a group of people. A, a group of, I mean, I think the most obvious comparison is, you know, the group of pirates that you see in the in the um, BoJack movie. Um, they have those types of vibes, for sure. So what does that gang want with 7-3? Who knows? Um, is Granola really aligned with those people? Or is this just like a one-time kind of job? Like he's a, you know, a guy who just 
roams the universe now, carrying out jobs to ensure, you know, he lives to see another day, much like the Mandalorian or something. But I digress. I'll, I'll stop with the Star Wars stuff. I've, I've been drawing a lot of Star Wars comparisons with the last few chapters. Um, if you have not listened to chapters 66 and 67, uh, links are in the show notes. Go check them out. But um, yeah, we'll see what side of the equation Granola falls on in this whole thing. It doesn't seem 100% that he's in the camp of, uh, you know, the guys who are dropping off or, or the guys that he just dropped 7-3 off to. I, I think there is a panel of them maybe going into um, actually physically attack him. Um, I don't have the panels up in front of me right now. I just have my notes. But, uh, yeah, doesn't necessarily look so good. So that obviously lends the question then. Um, if he's not on the side of the people who you know, want to use 7-3 to do whatever the hell. Does that mean he eventually aligns with Goku and the gang? Was that what that means? Because um, I would imagine these pirates use 7-3 for some very nefarious reasons uh, to the point where, you know, somebody's got to stop them. And who else is going to do it? Goku. You know? Maybe the Galactic Patrol finds out about it first, and they're like, hey, we better get Goku again, because uh, stuff is bad. You know, who knows? But um, meanwhile, we also get uh, a couple of drafts of Goku and Vegeta, mainly just Goku in these panels, uh, fighting against Whis, uh, training with Whis on that, uh, that, that planet they live on. And uh, he does... They're doing something with the Oracle Fish. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't seen full translations myself, but uh, I also didn't dig too bad. Like, these these leaks have been out for most of the last week, so I feel like what we're talking about is so commonly discussed now in the Twitterverse and the Animeverse that uh, I got a little lazy in bringing up the details on it. But they're doing fucking something with the Oracle Fish. Cool. Uh, meanwhile, Goku uh, does tap in pretty willingly to Ultra Instinct while he's fighting against Whis, and uh, yeah, he uh, still is no match for, for Whis at all, so um, those are the things that we know, I guess is, is what I'll say um, I think it'll be interesting to see how Granola factors in how eventually he does meet up with Goku which side, you know, whether he's friend or foe and when eventually he does find out that Goku and Vegeta are Saiyans, uh, you know, what his reaction is. Um, you know, does Frieza factor in, you know, being the guy who ordered, um, you know, the extermination of his planet? Maybe Frieza factors into this arc a little bit. Um, we, we shall see. Um, it would be interesting to see, you know, that Azaru be confirmed as Bardock. Uh, Reese put it best in my inbox a couple hours ago. It's like uh, a sins of the father kind of thing. Uh, Goku kind of having to, you know, repent for, uh, or, you know, yeah, repent is the right word, I think, for uh, Granola's entire planet being exterminated at the hands of his father. Um, sort of similar to that dynamic that Paragus has, you know, versus Vegeta uh, in the Broly movie, the OG Broly movie. And I guess the... The retcon rolling movie too, huh? That one's not as well ingrained in my psyche. Whatever. Um, also, Brett Rigby weighed in uh, on the Instagram uh, DMs. If you don't follow us on Instagram, it's at DB Super Dope. 
Uh, you can also check the show notes for links to our Facebook group where you can comment on this stuff as well. But Brett Rigby, longtime listener. I literally predicted all of this besides Bardock. I'm loving the way they are setting this up. Uh, this is everything I wanted out of a new arc. Original characters with interesting motives. Uh, an expansion on already established lore. Direct consequences from the previous arc cleverly used to set up this arc. Amazing designs for these new characters. This arc is really looking promising. Yeah, man. They, they, I, I, I love that message. I love where your head's at. I, I don't think any of us saw you know, the potential of having Bardock influence this arc at all, but interesting to see them do that. I don't think it's any secret that Toyotaro loves uh, the character of Bardock. Uh, we'll see if it weighs any further concept or if it has any further, you know, weight or consequence into the story outside of, you know, the Saiyans, you know, will, will Goku find out that it was his dad who did it? Will Granola know that it was Goku's dad who did it? Or is it just coincidence that it's like a little wink to the audience? You know, um, I, I imagine that's probably all that it will amount to, but imagine if they were to, you know, try to cleverly use that as a bridge to bring Bardock into, I don't know if the the current timeline, the brick wishing back with the Dragon Balls, any of that wild shit that y'all want in those groups, but um, maybe none of that. But at least make Goku aware of who he is. That that would be cool. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, the the full chapter is going to drop within the next few hours. Uh, again, uh, Patreon members Saturday night we'll be doing our manga discussion. If you want to jump in, grab the Zoom details. Hang out and give me your thoughts on that stuff. Uh, I want to thank our patrons, Alex Summers, uh, Reese Andriotis from Down Under, mate. Uh, he's actually helping me uh, manage some of the Instagram stuff right now. So you see some other posts, you know, like and share because Reese is helping me do the thing. Uh, so, yeah, thank you to Reese. Uh, Marcus Woods, Tyson Trujillo, David Cheers, Kelly. Just Kelly. She doesn't have her last name on Patreon, which is fine. I know her last name. Uh, Jacob Perez. Uh, Jean-Claude, Mini Van Dan. Mini Van Dan. Lobster Van, Mini Van, Lobster Man Van Dan. A lot of adjectives for your name. And I always put forth the effort to uh, to say them all. I haven't seen you. Had you on a pod in a minute, though. It's like he's too cool for school, man. Uh, Timmy Jones, where you been, dude? I feel like Timmy Jones has been sober, living his life. Hope you're still sober. Brian Melchiori, the funnest name of all time to say. And uh, little baby Jaren Dan, I miss you, brother. i uh hopeful to talk with you soon as well. Um, So thank you guys to the patrons. Uh, up next is the conversation I had with Anthony Grimulia last night about WandaVision, Marvel. All that fun stuff. If you want the uncut version, go be a patron. All right. WandaVision. Welcome back. Here to discuss WandaVision with me. The first two episodes of WandaVision are now available on Disney+. Plus. I have to bring in a comic book expert for these types of things. So, welcome back to Super Dope, Anthony Gramolia. Ah, wonderful to be back here. It's, um... I don't know about comic expert myself, but I know a, a decent bit about it. Hey, man, you write for a things. website called comicbookresources.com, so... Psh, well, that's true. 
I know I know a few things, but thankfully, I think um, I have a lot of things to say about this show, especially because um, what a way to start off your crazy, um, you know, tribute to the old sitcoms like this. It's like, oh, that's so great. I love it. Yeah, what I'm really digging it so far. What a way to start off your television universe by basically having it be one big homage to television and the progression of television in general from the start through. Exactly. And what we assume is going to be the 2000s current day. Um, so that kind of is my first question, but it sounds like you already answered it. I was going to say question one, WandaVision, yes or no, and why? I think it's a solid yes, but I do have to have, have a caveat, caveat with that. Yes. Oh, okay. I think this is going to be one of those, those um, shows that I'm going to like a lot more after it's done than when I'm watching it. So I'm digging it now. Like already I'm, I'm invested. I'm in. I think it's really funny. I love how it's so charming. Has Elizabeth Olsen in a magician suit? There's nothing bad about this show so far. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> genuinely, every single I half expect the show was just a change for the cast just to dress up in different era costumes and just goof around. I think that's. I mean, granted, I think it's a fun reason to have a show go on, personally. But yeah, it's numbers. definitely fun. Um, I, I too give it the yes, but I think you you sort of said what I what I'm thinking of. I think. My ultimate impression of this show, I, I, I'll probably judge it as a whole, at least this first season. Um, I assume it will be multiple seasons, but we'll see. Mm. Um, I think it's going to depend on how it wraps up and how it ultimately yeah. does integrate into the next uh, piece of the story for the MCU, which I believe is Spider-Man 3. Um, if we're yeah. looking at this as set as a trilogy, WandaVision, Spider-Man 3, and everything wraps up in Doctor Strange 2. Yeah. So I think in how the season wraps up will kind of largely, um, you know, dictate whether I like it or not as a whole. Mm. But I mean, these first two individual episodes have been very fun. Uh, I like television. Like I grew up yeah. watching all that old Nick at Night shit. So I was just going to say, this make you feel like you're like at your grandmother's house, you know, just they're too late and you're flipping through the channels and you're going past their old uh, Italian, well, for me, the Italian uh, television channels and going on Nick at Night or TV Land or something like that and you're watching some old black and oh, white. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love it. It has such, personally, it, it's also given me really strong David Lynch vibes, okay. which I think is where I'm, and when I say David Lynch vibes, I don't mean necessarily like, you know, Racerhead, Lady in the, in the Radiator kind of vibes, but I mean more like how with stuff like, uh, Twin Peaks or Blue Velvet, where it takes what appears to be a normal Americana uh, iconography and just twists it and then twists it and then twists it with surreal imagery and surreal concepts. For example, having, um, you know, Randall Park, you know, talking through the radio randomly when there's no warning, having a beekeeper crawl out of the, uh, the sewage pipes to have, um, what was that scene when they had one really surreal scene in the first episode when, you know, the boss is like oh, choking at the, at the dinner table. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, everything's like spinning their wheels. Stop it, really Wanda. Sweet. Stop it, Wanda. Yeah. And there's like, there's no real, like, it feels very unusual and unsettling. And I feel it's very cryptic. And I feel stuff like that will either work even better in hindsight, or you'll finish the show and be like, what was up with that scene? Yeah. And there's no like concrete. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it will end up, I, I'm hoping it will end up, you know, making sense and everything will 
kind of piece together. But I'm like, I feel like if they don't do a good enough job sticking the landing at the end, then earlier bits of like intrigue will feel more distracting in hindsight. But that's only a concern watching it at this point. I, I don't think there's going to be any concern once it's done, but it's that sense of, wait a second, how are they going to yeah, get I all think this together? We need to put some trust in the process here um, mm-hmm. because we're, we're taking in the, another or the next part of the story in like a different medium. Instead of, you know, a two and a half, two and a half, three hour movie in some cases, it's now you know, 25, 30 minutes. And exactly. we don't have the benefit of the Netflix system where we just binge it all one season at a time. We have to wait week to week. I, although they were kind enough to give us the first two episodes, I heard some people have now already seen the third episode. Well, what um, happened was they sent out review copies, I think, of the first three episodes to oh, certain reviewers. Now, I did not were get you? these reviews. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, dude, if you got a reviewer copy and we didn't at least talk about it, I'll be no, upset. No one sent me nothing. And send me anything, so I can't tell you anything beyond the first two episodes. Um, I know people who did get it though, um, and uh, you know they haven't told me anything either, so I can't say anything. At all. Well, I think like, that I think once we do see it through to the end, we're gonna be able to you know go back and watch it through again and be like, oh wow, look at this little meta line of dialogue that I never would have thought was you know gonna ultimately be you know the culmination of things in episode eight, uh, like. Mm. I'm sure that we're going to be able to go back and pick out little things that be like, wow, look at how that factors into the grander scheme, even though it just seems like a passing line of dialogue here. I wrote down a bunch of them. Um, mm. The meta the meta dialogue is definitely, um, I think it's something we're supposed to pay attention to. Like, it's not so on the nose that it's like beating us over the head with it, but I feel like it's a little, some of the lines are a little too cryptic to not pay attention to or a little too strange not to at least repeat back to yourself and be like hmm what, yeah, what, could, I've that, been, what could that mean i've been seeing a few different people who have been really digging into like every line of dialogue trying to find like what was the one i saw like a theory that was i think it was posted on, on cbr i think um talking about like should me double check before i make sure i say something that i'm not supposed to say yet all right, so uh, I'll, I'll of... go with a couple of the ones that I I wrote, wrote down. Uh, episode two, um, there is a line about that Dottie delivers, and we're going to talk about Emma Caulfield uh, in depth a little bit later, but the devil's in the details, Bev. I, I think looking back at the end of this first season, we're going to go back and rewatch episode two and be like, oh, yeah, the devil is in the details, Dottie. It is like little things like that, I think are going to come back and tie back around. So like maybe the, that doesn't really qualify as a meta line so much, but um, there's another line she says too, that I think will come back and tie back around. How does a housewife get the blood out of a white linen by herself? Yeah. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Wanda is about to get the blood out of this by herself. Isn't she? Essentially. Okay. Here's the one theory. So um, the, th- this theory is a little, um, I think this one's a little far-fetched um personally but i think Uh-oh. it's an interesting theory where they're <laughs> trying to argue that um the um so there's a there is a um there's a character uh called the swarm um the swarm is yeah, a, it's made of he's made of bees i i had yeah. the same exact thought when so the beekeeper of- pops out of there <laughs> and he's all surrounded by bees i don't know enough about the character swarm to be able to you know 
theorize how he would fit in, but didn't That's they thing. already do a version of Swarm in Agents of Shield? Or that was Hive, which is a That was Hive. Hive is different. Yeah. Different. They're just very no, no, similar. No, no, no. Hive is no Hive is Teen Titans. Wait, don't um, Grant Ward. He like takes the body of Grant Ward in like season fucking three of Shield or something. Which character is it then? I, I'm pretty sure it's Hive. Or it the might Hive. Be. But maybe Teen Might Titans be. has a hive too. I mean, because they I know all, Teen Titans has a hive too. They all rip each other off. Well, no, fast. Yes. Okay. There's a hive. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so of course. So hive is an inhuman, okay. whereas um, hive H I V E is an evil organization in Teen Titans. Um, Got it. That funds that funds like um, Deathstroke's whole. You know, and, um, and Swarm is just a completely different person within the Marvel universe who's basically you, made of bees. You want to know, know who Swarm is? Oh, let me give you the, the rundown on oh boy. Swarm. Give me so the rundown. Swarm is baby. actually a Spider Man villain initially. I believe mm. he's a Spider Man villain. I, I, I associate him both with Spider Man. He does have the he Sinister is, Six tag in Marvel Strike Force. So there you go. Just tossing it so out he, there. So he is a evil Nazi scientist. Who combined his body with a psychic swarm of bees. And he's literally just a skeleton that's like has bees all around him in like a purple cape. So he's kind of like what would happen if Candyman was not a, a was a was a was a was a Nazi essentially. So he he's yeah. a Nazi soldier. No, Nazi scientist. <laughs> Nazi scientist who psychically fused his skeleton with a swarm of ghost bees. Is that what you said? No, no, just bees. No, I don't think they're ghost bees. <laughs> just regular bees, not ghost bees. Yeah, he's... Don't want to be too ridiculous. Actual... Oh, well, we, we got to take it seriously somewhat, guys. Yeah, right? Wow. Okay, so here's his origin, according to um, Wikipedia. We'll be real fast with this. Fritz von Mayer was okay. born in Germany and became Adolf Hitler's top scientist. Uh, escaped and capture, he became a beekeeper in South America <laughs> and discovered a colony of mutated bees. Intrigued by their intelligence and passive nature, Von Mayer attempted to enslave the queen bee, but failed, and the bees ate him, leaving just a skeleton. Except his consciousness merged with the bees. Okay. <laughs> so he decided to possess them. Wow. Swarm he, sounds wild. So now maybe Swarm yeah. is working for S.W.O.R.D. to bring Wanda out of her uh, cosmic coma or whatever? Oh, I, I have no, I have no doubt it's not Swarm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think all it's right, Swarm at all. I think yeah, it's I just, think a, I think it's the fan theory it's reaching. I think it's just like a hat a guy in a hazmat suit. Yeah, Wanda interprets so as like a. That make the most sense. Um, although if Swarm did show up, that would be um the second Nazi reference in WandaVision. The first being that little subtle nod to uh, Strucker. Oh, Strucker in those commercials, yeah. Um, so the commercials actually was. It, I, at least in the first one, they have two commercials. They have the Stark commercial for like a toaster. Mm -hmm. um, there is a very subtle use of color in that one with the red light blinking. And then they have the the Strucker timepiece, uh, the, the watch basically. And they have like the little Hydra insignia on it. So I think it says 1000 M after it. Um and I think the catchphrase is something to the effect of uh, Strucker, uh, he makes time for you or, or something like that. Something like that. 
Um, uh, that could be another one of those, you know, proving to be very meta lines once we have, you know, the, the, the entire plot revealed to us. And that's the interesting um, thing. I was going back and forth on what these two references are references to in terms of, not in terms of what they're referencing in terms of the Marvel Universe. We know that one's reference to, to Howard Stark, the other's reference to Baron von Strucker, who's a Hydra agent. Um, what I think is interesting is in terms of either. So what I mean by, the, by that is this. So the Stark toaster, that's that's takes place during the episode parodying I Love Lucy, which takes place during the 40s. And that's when Howard Stark was first becoming his like this industrialist, this this inventor people admired. Whereas the Strucker timepiece one that takes place during the episode parodying uh Bewitched and uh I Dream of Genie and all those ones, which is the 60s. And at that time in the MCU, uh, Hydra had already overtaken and infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm wondering if these commercials might also be references to what events were, ha- were transpiring in that era of the MCU. Like, what would you expect to see in commercials on TV from that era in that universe, so to, so to speak? But also they could be references to what's actually happening in terms of Wanda's process leading up to this sect this situation because as of yet while it's probably you know wanda herself doing what's happening and kind of controlling the circumstance and the reality around her there is always the indication that there's some other element at play so when you go to um like the radio saying oh wanda you know who's doing this to you what's going on nah speak to me you know whatever there's the indication there might be some external force that's either forcing her into this, into this other anomaly or kind of giving her the tools to do this to herself. Yeah. What's interesting is that you, you know, you get the shots at the, I think it's the end of each episode respectively. And then you get the little, you know, voices from the outside calling in through different parts in the first two episodes from the, the sword space station that we presume, I guess, Nick Fury is on. Mm -hmm. Um, But the person is, you know, watching the television show in which it's presented like they've got the ability to tap in and see Wanda's reality somehow and watch it on a television screen so that makes me wonder like is Wanda incapacitated somewhere is she like in a coma and this like she's you know not in control of her powers and you know this is like her internalizing things in her brain and this external forces and now swords trying to contain her but Maybe Mephisto realizes what's going on, has come in and is trying to, you know, utilize Wanda's powers while she's in this comatose state. That's kind of where my brain is going. I think I just kind of theorized all over the place when I was trying to make a point, but go ahead. I mean, I have no idea exactly. I think it's definitely a possibility that Wanda is in control of her own world, but I'm not sure if we're going with um, Mephisto, which is a possible theory, or... Because honestly, Mephisto would be interesting. Or are we going, doing, going more around the route of Agatha Harkness, who is almost certainly in this show <laughs> as, um, what's your name? Uh, yeah, oh, Catherine Hahn's character. Yeah, um, yeah. But Agatha, yeah, they, they call her Agnes. She's the next door neighbor, but she's almost certainly another sorceress named Agatha Harkness, who... I feel like it's almost, like, at this point, confirmed. I feel like... They, they, they've all but confirmed that's the case, but it's, I don't know. It could be a total 180. We could both be wrong, but 
I think it's a safe bet. That it's I'm pretty to... sure. And I, just for yeah. the record, Catherine Hahn, man, I love her so much. Jen oh Barkley God, yes. is one of the greatest minor characters in Parks and Recreation uh, and, and throughout the entire series. Like, minor character. She shows up very few times, very few lines of dialogue. But, man, every line of dialogue, chef's kiss, man. It's beautiful. And I didn't realize she was in Into the Spider-Verse either. I didn't realize that until I looked her up, her IMDb. Who is she in Into the Spider-Verse? She's the uh, Doc Ock, essentially. Oh, yeah, look it up. I, I didn't realize this until like I actually like uh let me actually double check to make sure I'm not wrong. I was like the I always I always like second guess what I say as I'm saying. I was gonna say it, but... I feel like I'd re- remembered that, but I'm not very good with the voices anyway sometimes, which I think is actually an indicator not so much of my inability to remember things, but the voice actors uh tremendous performances. <laughs> Hell yeah, Catherine Hahn. Yeah, so, she's great. Um to have her be you know, maybe uh, I think maybe she'll be like the minor, you know, villain. Uh, mm. Because in, in episode two, we meet somebody who is, um, you know, introduced to Wanda by Agnes. And Agnes basically says something to the effect of, you know, this person is the key to everything. If, if you get in good with her, you have smooth sailing in this town. And it's the character of Dottie, played by Emma Caulfield. And for the Buffy fans out there, people who don't know, I'm a bit of a Buffy buff. Ooh. Wait, you like Buffy? Never knew this. This is news to me. I'm so shocked. Shut up. You know. <laughs> actually, I'm pretty sure there's a Buffy box set somewhere. Like, Oh, I'm in- sure there is. I can't see it clearly from here, but I'm sure there is. It's right there in front of my Dragon Ball. Or oh, I love my it. Dragon Ball into my TV. So anyway, no thing or two about Buff every once in a while. Um, I was saying it to Ant before we connected. Um, the way in uh, without having read the comic books myself, the way in which I've understood Wanda's and Agatha's relationship in the comic books to work kind of reminded me, um, you know, essentially like rival sorceresses, um, one a little bit more evil than the other. But it reminded me almost of Anya and Cecily, uh, the two vengeance demons in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Anya, played by Emma Caulfield, and that sort of relationship. There's a period of time in which Anya gives up her demon powers to be able to turn into a human so she can date Xander. And then when they split for a bit, um, she gets her powers back and her and I, I can't fucking think of her demon name the friend's demon name i feel like a jerk but i keep calling her cecily because i know that there's like a weird flashback with spike in the 18 1700s i don't know whatever i'll shut up anyway so much of how that relationship worked sort of reminds me of how things have been set up to this point with wanda and agnes like that rivalry Mm. kind of thing or how I've, excuse me, not how it's been set up to this point, but how I understood it to be explained in the comic books. There we go. Mm-hmm. So in oh, episode yeah. two, when Emma Caulfield's the one who shows up playing Dottie, I'm like, oh my God, this is so, this has to be on purpose. Whoever knows how this relationship works is like, we need to get Anya in here. And then they did. And there's also a bunny thing in there too, because magic and Anya and that, hates bunnies. Look, let's just be honest. The best scene in the like, that, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think it was, yeah, no, me. I'm stretching for sure, man. I think I'm stretching in the first place. 
I think it's just like in this next you see Elizabeth Olsen in a magician outfit, which, you know, granted, it's uh, not a bad thing to do. I, I see no downside. I feel like, ha- again, I was saying this before, I feel like half the show is just an excuse to get everyone to dress in different costumes with different hairstyles and just have fun with it. But the uh, casting Elizabeth, is, yeah, casting in general has been like really on point. Like, uh, she's a really this- good actress. She's wicked funny. Oh, yeah. And not just her, but like everyone's, everyone in this is. Paul Bettany's also- wicked funny too. Paul Bettany. I did not realize that he was such a funny, like he's got some oh, serious God, yeah. actual comedic chops. Like honestly, before this, I'd always think of him as like the, the imaginary friend from, um, oh, with Russell Crowe, where he's the, in, in Princeton. Oh, Beautiful Mind. There we go. I was always thinking uh, of him as the imaginary friend from that. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, it's, when, 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 before I thought, oh, Vision or Jarvis, I was like, oh, that's um, the guy from Beautiful Mind. This has like, the, the episode where he like his, he has his insides all gummed up and he acts like he's drunk. It's just that was really funny. So legitimately funny. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and I just before we connected, I just finished uh, watching the second episode through again. And the scene oh, yeah. where the gum comes out of him and like he like looks at it, he's like, oh, this explains it. This this really gummed up the works. And it's like such a cornball ass line. And then he just goes, yeah, I'm not funny without this. And then he just kind of throws it. <laughs> His timing is perfect. Oh my it was god. So good. It was so good. I'm excited to see um you know how they continue to pay you know pay respect, pay you know, pay homage. I, I homage is such a tricky word. I feel like I never use it right. But I yeah. also feel like nobody ever fucking uses it right, so I don't feel that bad about it. Anyway, I feel um I'm very interested to see how they'll continue to pay tribute. That's there we go. Mm. Figured my yeah, way out around that. Um, how they'll continue to pay tribute to other television shows of other decades. Um, at the end of episode two, um, things are you know full blown color mode. Um, at the beginning of episode two, actually, we, me, and you talked about. I don't know. It's probably about a month ago, a month and a half ago now. But we did a deep dive on all. <laughs> I remember yes. now. It was a few. We talked a few days before Luke Skywalker came back and fucked everything up. Yeah, the entire discussion we had like, oh, Luke Skywalker won't come back. There's no way he's going to show back up again. And then three days later, (laughs) to our credit, okay, we both said yes. It is very possible that it could happen, and it would make sense if it did happen. However, they don't have the balls to do that. I basically think is what we said, and then they did have the balls to do that. We you also know said it would look really you know, weird, I think. Exactly. It would look really fucking weird. And what was the one complaint from that episode? Is that Luke looked really goddamn weird. The moment he, the moment he like pulled his face back, oh, he pulled his face back, pulled his hood back and showed his face, it was like, well, that looks like a whack. And I find it so strange that Star Wars has trouble with this when Marvel has been doing it wonderfully. I was thinking a ton about that the other day. Like, way too much about it. It has yeah. to be... Something I don't know if it's a Star Wars thing, if it's a Lucas thing, I don't know what it is. But there has to be some reason why they cannot, contractually speaking, why they cannot use the deep, the same deep fake or de aging technology that 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 Marvel uses. It, it's weird because it's it's all Disney, mm-hmm. so I assume it has to be something pre existing from the you know the holdover from the purchase of, of Lucasfilm, but. 
Yeah. There has to be some legally binding reason that they cannot use the top line technology to be able to do that. And the other thing that made me think about it, too, is the way in which they credit the actors too. They mm-hmm. uh, like legacy character, something like, I, ah, uh, I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass right now about it. I haven't thought about it in about a month since we spoke, yeah. but <laughs> the weird thing is not just one thing I'll say on that too, before we move back up, back to what we were talking about. Before, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's strange. Cause you look at like a movie like Ant-Man that came out like, what, like 2016, right. Had like less, had a smaller budget, I think than the Mandalorian or at least comparable. And yet, the deep, the deep, um, the effects they used on Michael Douglas's face. Yeah. Like they are so incredible. Like the effect is perfect, but same amount of money and you couldn't do the, and, and he was on I'm screen. I'm telling more. you, it has to be because of a legal issue. Has to be some, has to be something. Maybe the technology is patented or something. And they, maybe. That's the only thing I, I can think of because I think I remember reading it with Tarkin, they just, digitally recreated a face and it just seems like so much more expensive than i feel like i was watching a cutscene out of a video game which was a like a particularly well done one but oh yeah it was still jarring considering the fact that i was just watching a live action movie for the fucking 45 minutes leading up to it or whatever Mm. um you cut back and forth between like um what's his name's face um pedro pascal's like real looking face versus you know like kendall luke well, thank God Pedro Pascal is the one who carried the emotion in that scene with having to give up yeah. his little green baby and stuff. Um, Luke Skywalker was like, I'm a stone cold Jedi. You see me fuck up all those robots back there? I don't give a shit. I'm not crying. Good thing, because the CGI budget just isn't there for it. Yeah. I was having to render it tear. <laughs> Real quick, though, while I've got the, the you on the young Michael Douglas train, mm-hmm. did you see that Chris Evans is a comeback, quote unquote? Yeah, so the, so what I actually had to write about that also too. So oh, cool. one thing, so one thing that's for sure is that it's not confirmed for sure he's coming back. It's only rumored slash reported. But it sounds like Chris Evans is playing it very coy, you know, in terms of ah, first I heard about it, you know, kind of like that kind of oh I don't know what you're talking about right there. But meanwhile, you know, he's probably like yeah. tweeting that from like inside the Disney Studios, like I have yeah, no idea working what you out mean. the the negotiations. <laughs> hammering Basically. out the details i'm sure it's gonna um, be like a, like a small like a small role i don't think i heard it's, it's like... I, I heard it's likened to what rdj did for you know two more appearances as iron man with uh civil war and um spider-man one thing i think would be cool and i actually wrote about this in an article too i would love to see them try doing a secret empire thing but like doing it well the secret empire secret just... war like battle planet shit or... no no not secret war secret empire oh. All right. Uh, Secret uh, Empire maybe I don't is. Know Secret Empires. Oh, you do. It's the one where Captain America is a Hydra agent. Oh no! Don't no. No, no. Because the thing with that story that was terrible. There were a few things about it that were awful. The first thing was they never established that it was a another version of Captain America until like late in way it. later on when everybody yeah. was pissed. I mean, that's yeah. why they did it for the shock value. But yeah. Oh yeah. But I think what they could do really. Here's my here's my 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 idea. I could be way off on this. I probably am. I have no information to back this up. This is entirely okay. just fan theory. I think he's going to show up briefly in Multiverse of Madness, in one of the dozens of other universes they'll co- they'll arrive in, just to show crazy Nazi Captain America as like a gag, and then he'll show come back again in like a later thing. That's what mm. I think. Either that, or he could be a scroll. 
Yeah. Because um, in Secret Wars, the scrolls come back. Um, one of the scrolls come back comes back as Captain Marvel, who at that point was very dead. Um, and what I think could happen is he could come back in a similar capacity where he's a scroll who's taking on the identity of a dead person, but thinks he's the he's the person, or like not a dead person, but like a person who's no longer present. And he could just convince himself that he's actually this person and makes him sort of uh, act like a hero, even though he's a scroll and everyone else knows it, except for yeah, him. Yeah, I could, I could get down with that. And that would actually kind of jive with what he's previously said about how he felt Captain America's send-off at the end of Endgame was so perfect, he wouldn't really want to risk that. If he comes back in the Captain America as a scroll thing, he's not technically, uh, you know, shitting on that perfect quote-unquote ending. Yeah. Um, the other idea that I had, though, so young Michael Douglas, right? Mm -hmm. There is um, one idea I also have. I think we have the same idea, too. There's one other one is, I have. Is it the original 1960s Avengers? Because that's what my fucking Ooh, idea no, is. No, I was thinking going back to World War II and finding in, in, and meeting up with some Canadian soldier named Logan, oh um, having a God, flashback. How fucking dope <laughs> would that be? That would be a completely kick-ass reason for Chris Evans to do that. I was thinking, like, also, oh yeah, he could be a flashback to World War II, and like, oh yeah, there's this weird short guy who just keeps running around. Yo, I don't even no fuck a flashback, dude. I want to see a whole movie of oh, that. I would love it. That'd be that amazing. Would be super cool. Um, and still, that would also fit in perfectly well with the ending that he got in Endgame to see a flashback movie with him and Wolverine going through World War II together. Great. Oh, so that was, I was the X Men Evolution episode where there oh, together I, I didn't really i didn't really fuck with that series i don't think it was it was one. okay you know it, 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 look it, it was it was when you're like 12 and it's on tv you're gonna watch it <laughs> but you know exactly but uh no no yeah that was one that i liked i liked when they show included wolverine in that so just like a nice it was cool because especially at that time there weren't too many like big marvel universe crossovers outside of the comics so it was nice to see that kind of combo play going on there, personally. So I, I cut you off. What were you going to say? <laughs> oh, 1960s Avengers. He, go, he comes back uh, to like live out his life after Endgame with Peggy Carter. And then somehow, you know, 15 years later or whatever, he meets up with cool. young Hank Pym, a young Howard Stark. Uh, Peggy Carter is continuing to work with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Cap's on the fringes, so he's got access to stuff and inside stuff. We can see, like, young Janet Van Dyne. My only thing is, like, Michael Douglas is so fucking old. Like, can you really have... Mm. I, I mean, I guess if you limit the time that he has out of the suit, maybe you could do it. I, I don't like know. Once, I feel like once he puts the mask on, you could do whatever you want, you know? Yeah. Because, like... Once he has like the Ant Man mask on, he could just you you could have a stunt guy in there, and you would never know because it's just you. Oh, you only have to de-age him once he takes his mask off. But think about that. It could be like Captain America, Howard Stark, and like a really rudimentary like Iron Man like armor suit. Mm -hmm. Um, you I guess the Hulk is a no, but he's not part of the original lineup technically in the first uh, Avengers. But Hank Pym, Janet. And then you could write in some kind of creative reason for Thor to be there because he's like so fucking old. And then he's got some memory loss after the fact and doesn't remember that he met Cap previously in the timeline. One thing you could do out, also man. is Hercules instead of Thor. Yeah, but I it wouldn't like be the same. But no, I prefer yeah. Thor too. And plus, we're going to get a lot more Thor 
in the MCU too, which I'm happy about. Like, there's so much, like we are going. I mean, King Gore the God Butcher. Like, no, that's gonna be that alone is like already just please just just give it to me right now, please. I need it. Oh my mouth. So much. Give it. <laughs> Basically. Um. So yeah, we did show up to talk about Wandavision though. Um, yes. So the, one thing I do the, like about Wandavision too. Yeah. <laughs> is I love how like every episode is a standalone episode in, in the idea that you could watch, I get to see myself, if this was on TV and it just happened to be on, I could watch any episode and still walk away satisfied individually mm-hmm. so far, but it is still building up to something. And that's something aside from the whole mystery of what's happening. Um, Wiccan. And this is something that you called in that, because this is how we, we jutted down this path, the Star Wars conversation. In that exactly. Comment. Yeah, that's how that 20-minute tangent just happened. Um, you called this in our Star Wars discussion. We also talked to Marvel briefly, but you, you discussed them having children and mm-hmm. the prospect of Wiccan and, uh, I'm going to fuck it up. The other one is Viz. Uh, Viz probably isn't going to be the one they go with. I think they're not, they're not twins. It's, it's one. No. Okay. Yeah. They're just two separate children. They have, there's a lot of weird vision has a lot of weird stuff with his kids. Like, cause, cause, um, I think they had another sibling. Cause the thing is initially, um, okay, this is going to, I'm going to go off memory on this one, but, do um, it. basically, nerd. exactly. Basically Wanda and vision have children in, um, in the Marvel comics, but it turns out not really. It turns out what happened is like the, the children were actually like demonic hallucinations created by Mephisto essentially. Oh, like and maybe what's going on in this goddamn series. Yes. So what ends up happening is Wanda has to, I think, I think they like almost like fuse back into her body. It, it's like really gro- grotesque and nightmarish. Um, <laughs> what happens? It's really frightening. It's very but, graphic. Yeah, it's it's really disturbing. If you find a visu- visual of it, it's it's profoundly uh, unsettling. Um, cool. What ends up cool, happening cool, cool, cool. though is it, it turns out that uh, you know one of the kids actually lives and it's adopted and kind of grows up to be his own uh, his own life. Also, actually, no, there is twins. So it's I think it's uh, Wiccan and Speed. I think are the two kids' names. Yeah, it's Wiccan and Speed, I believe. So Speed would be... Oh, okay, be... so Wiccan is one of the tw- one of two twins. Woo! Mm-hmm. But what happens Nerd is... redeemed. There you go. What ends up happening is he's not really the original... Oh, so I got mixed up. Sorry. So um, Wanda and Vision have two kids. The demonic spawns get sucked back into them, but their essence gets reincarnated, essentially. <laughs> okay. Into these two human children who are also you know, have these incredible powers. I think speed kind of has like Quicksilver's kind of speed powers, if I remember correctly. And um, Wiccan has Wanda Maximoff's uh, more magical powers. Um, Wiccan is really one of the more well-known members of a group called the Young Avengers, which formed in the early 2000s. And what's interesting is that all these Marvel TV shows appear to be gradually building up the members of the Young Avengers. So you already have Stature, who's Scott Lang's daughter. You have Wiccan. You have um, you have um, um, Kate Bishop, who's going to be who's being played by Haley Steinfeld in Hawkeye. You have America Chavez, who's coming in Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. Uh, you have um, you have Patriot, who's coming in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You have um, wait oh, back up. Who's Patriot? 
Patriot's interesting. So Patriot is the grandson of this black guy who is essentially given a, a test version of the super serum, so super soldier serum. So when the Young so Avengers like part of the Howling Commandos? No, no, no. It's, it's like afterwards. They, they they lost the serum and they try to recreate it and they give them like a test version of a recreation of the serum. Okay. So everyone thinks, oh well, you're the grandson of this guy who had the super serum, super soldier serum. That means you might have Captain America's strength. Except he doesn't. Essentially, he get, but he still has powers somehow. And it turns out he's got he has powers because he's essentially injecting himself with superhero steroids. Oh. Which gives him like superpowers when he injects himself with it. But then he ends up getting a blood transfusion from his grandfather because he gets hurt or something. And then he actually gains those powers permanently. So he's kind of like a light version of Captain America uh, in terms okay. of power set. You watch The Boys, right? Mm-hmm. Interestingly, Matt Shackman, the guy who's directed these first two episodes of WandaVision, like he directed a ton of episodes of The Boys. He's also directed a ton of episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like I see more of that in this than in The Boys, strangely enough. Yeah, right. I mean, I can kind of see elements of both, but I, I I don't think I've ever realized that I'm a bit and like he's done some of the best episodes of Sonny ever. Which like which, which one is he too? He did the Nightman Cometh. Uh, he oh did, and he, off the top of my head, I only know this because I was like, wait a minute, he did both musicals. He did the Nightman <laughs> Cometh, and he did the Gang Turns Black. Okay, so he, so he, yeah, you're right. He's just, he's the best ones there. Crap. He knows, he knows his craft. He knows like what he's doing and how he's setting up stories and how he's layering things and how he's playing the comedic beats. Like I think. That is only going to get, um, I think it's only probably going to become more apparent how funny Paul Bettany and uh, Elizabeth Olsen can be. I didn't, I never considered their comedic abilities before these first two episodes, but I think never. working with Matt Shackman is, is definitely, um, you know, not hurting them. No, um, but when you, I, when you get into the more on the family and Roseanne style episodes too. Yeah, dude, I was a sucker for Roseanne. That's the other thing too. Like every show that they're parodying or, paying homage to or whatever um is a show that i grew up like very much in love with like i oh, love yeah. lucy i dream of gd and bewitch those are my main jams oh yeah and then an all in the family kind of deal i don't know if they are doing that or what i saw the roseanne thing mm. um i don't know what the mid 2001 looked like but i'm just gonna say Maybe the office. Did <laughs> oh no like a mockumentary it's gonna be the series. office parody, be the office parody. <laughs> i want to see vision do a talking head about his day at computronics inc or whatever the fuck it's called that's the question i'm wondering if they're going to parody like the brady bunch or if they're going to parody on the family because i feel like they're going to do one or the other when they first transition into color and i'm not sure which one because personally i think all in the family is a much better show than the brady bunch like i'm not yeah. i'm not particularly big on brady bunch in terms of my old sitcoms well, it wouldn't no, it's make kind sense of like to reserve the Brady Bunch for when they actually have a kid. I mean, it doesn't seem like time is much of a factor here in this. So exactly. we we could have Wicked as soon as the next episode. Who knows? The next episode, they could be in the Brady Bunch home and have two kids. Who oh, yeah. Knows? I think with Wiccan especially, there's going to be a lot of potential because Wiccan is probably going to not live to the end of the series, but also come back afterwards. So there's probably going to be some degree of like, the multiverse playing into that or what have you. But um, I'm not sure. Plus, Wiccan, he is... I want to see Wiccan come out into the um, the MCU. Well, <laughs> come out is a very 
interesting term of phrase there for this. Oh, because he's gay. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> but his storyline with Hulkling is very interesting. I just think it's a great, like, it's a potentially really good narrative. Their whole thing is very compelling. It's very, um, just a good, just a good love story in general, how they, how they wrote that in the comics. And I kind of hope they do something similar in the MCU. It'd be great. Um, so I'm really, as I'm hoping a lot, I'm hoping that a long-term quality of the Wiccan story and beyond uh, WandaVision, I just don't know how they're going to do it because there are ways you can really mingle the execution, especially considering that in the comics, the whole, not so much Wiccan's origins, but the demon child uh, storyline got a little bungled towards the end, uh, leading up to Avengers Disassembled, which is a, a, a hot mess of a adventure story. Where Wanda Maximoff just goes crazy and just s- destroys everything, <laughs> and then kills so, Vision. Oh, okay. Yes, that's that's a dumb, weird yeah. choice, but you know, <laughs> live long enough to see yourself kill the Vision. Yeah. Um, I guess I feel like we've kind of danced around maybe some potential theories for how we think this whole first season will play out. Um. Mm. Some kind of catastrophic event, obviously, that, you know, rams together multi uh, universes. And hopefully my hope more than anything else in the world is that it results in a world with mutants. I know that I know that's kind of House of M uh, on its head. You know, it's supposed to be the other way around, but they're kind of doing House of M already a little bit here to an extent. Exactly. But like, wait a second. It's kind of like the opposite you know effect as the end result um oh, her yeah. ultimate breakdown when she loses her child or whatever from this multiple this you know little pocket reality she's insulated herself in mm. the the stress that she feels shatters the walls of all these different multi-dimensions and they all come crashing in and that's what brings mutants into the mcu i would love that first off that's one of the big long-term effects i hope to see but there's another thing we can't believe we forgot to mention um what's that you forgot to mention um monica rambeau <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but well, they call her something else in the second episode. Yeah, don't they? like like uh, Clarence or Clearance or I thought it was like G- G- I thought it was a G name. I oh wait a second, yeah, that. you're probably right. I, I just know it's Monica Rambeau. So the whole, whole time they said that, like, oh yeah, that's Monica Rambeau. There she yeah, is. and she ultimately but, is like part of the magician's trick at the end of the second episode. So like, yeah. she she's working with Sword and she's Geraldine. Within, Geraldine. Geraldine. See, I knew yeah. it was a G. But yeah, yeah. all right, so she's she's got to be working with Sword then, and she's somehow injected herself, or they've injected her into this other reality to see if she's going to be able to bring Wanda out of it. I guess my question oh, yeah. is, why would they send her in there? Like my question isn't so much how did she come to work for Sword? I get how that could happen. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But what makes her the unique person to go in and and try to handle that? It's not like she's the Monica Rambeau who eventually you know gets the Captain Marvel powers. I assume she's just a normal regular person, right? I'm assuming so. I also assume that this may be how she gets the Captain Marvel powers, honestly, with multiverse intersections, because that'd be interesting. Because she's gotta. I know they they are introducing. Monica Rambeau in this, and that she's going to play a role in Captain Marvel 2. That seems kind of obvious. You know, you have a, a, a returning character from the first film, and much older now. It makes sense. And I get why she would be sword. I mean, she had like a bit of a close encounters of the third kind experience as a kid. So she's going to have, you know, that, that's going to affect you. Maybe that um, set her on the track to, uh, you know, eventually work in the uh, intergalactic uh, you know, workforce. Yeah, hanging out with the aliens, that will, that will give you a leg up on the competition for sure. For sure. Um, but I think what's 
I'm wondering if it's going to be a complete accident why she got sucked in. Because I know we know already that there's like three different returning characters from previous Marvel show um, entertainment in uh, WandaVision. You have uh, Monica Rambeau, played by an older actress now because she's no longer a five-year-old, essentially. Yeah. You have... um, uh, you have um, what's his name? You have, you have Kate. You have Darcy from the Thor film. She's in it. I'm assuming working with Shield as well. I'm mean, with, with with Shield. Working with uh, Sword as well. And you have Randall Park as Jimmy Wu, who is from Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, I I noticed that you said Randall Park at the top of that. I didn't realize that was his voice in there. Yeah, um, yeah. The moment he said that, I'm like, wait, that sounds. At first, I was like, that sounds very familiar. Then I checked the credits, and it's like, oh yeah. It's, well, at least I, I love Randall Park, man. He's fucking hilarious. Oh, he's hilarious. He's wonderful. Like, I just hope there's more of him in this because he would just be amazing. To have, especially with some of the comedy beats in this. Like, that he's would be so funny, man. You ever watch Fresh Off the Boat? Yes. So oh, God, good. yeah. So good. Like, he's perfect. He, if he gets to do some, him and um, I really hope they, they, they get a chance to use some of his comedy in this because otherwise, I hope he's just not just like a random voice on the radio, just like, yeah. hey, Wanda. <laughs> It could really be it. I mean, oh, we know yeah. that I know that um, according to Emma Caulfield's IMDb page, Dottie shows up in four episodes of this eight episode season. So mm-hmm. I'm convinced uh, she's got a much larger role to play. I think that she's going to be, you know, Mephisto, whether that's, uh, you know, Mephisto taking the shape of a, a blonde woman in the suburbs to, you know, be able to fit in and assimilate in Wanda's weird little pocket reality. I think she's going to be the one to ultimately, um, you know, set Wanda off and have her break all of the walls for these multi-dimensions uh, and have them all pour into one or whatever the fuck. Who knows? I'm a little scared if it's Mephisto, honestly. And I'll tell you why I'm a little scared if it's Mephisto. Because uh, Mephisto was obviously such a massive villain. Like, you can't really handle Mephisto in one film. No, you can't. So it has to be and, like and- a- a lot of different things. It's going to be though that this is the beginning of the of Mephisto's mm-hmm. thing through this next three installments of the story. But you see, that's the thing right there. <laughs> that's the thing right there because second chapter of that story is Spider Man Three. Uh, this very famous storyline involving no. Mephisto in Spider Man. I, <laughs> I bet you they'll probably dance all around it, but they'll, oh, he'll really- be. I, I, you know what though? I could see him not even being involved in Spider-Man Three, but being the cause of Spider-Man Three. That's so something is going to happen. Yeah. Mephisto fucks with Wanda in this WandaVision series. The events happen out. All of these multi, you know, dimensions collide into one. We have a few Spider-Man running around, a few different Spider-Man villains from different uh, universes running around at the same time. That's because of Mephisto. Maybe we see Mephisto in a scene or something. Maybe we don't see him at all. But. Then we have the Spider-Man villains, and then Doctor Strange too. He and Baron Mordo and Wanda and whoever the fuck all have to team up to go correct things and fight uh, fight Mephisto. That could happen. What I think also may happen though, and this is something I've been thinking about for a while. I think what's possible with Spider-Man Three, especially, is you're going to see Peter Parker try making a deal with Mephisto or Doctor Strange. Because Mysterio's, because uh, at the end of Spider-Man Two, obviously, just to recap, you know, Mysterio outs Spider-Man as Peter, Peter Parker as Spider-Man. So now the whole city knows. What I'm wondering is if something will happen to say like Aunt May or Ned or someone who he cares about, and he'll make a deal with Mephisto to like undo that damage, and that will result in all the subsequent multiverse shenanigans happening. 
or you know, this or the events of one division will allow Mephisto to have a foothold in the physical plane in some way. So when in the books, when Spider-Man makes the deal with Mephisto, it's to bring Mary, not, not Mary Jane, to bring Aunt May back from the dead, but he has to undo his marriage to Mary Jane, right? Like that's the consequence. So, so basically the way it works is Kingpin hires a hitman to kill Peter Parker. Hitman misses and hits uh, Aunt May. And apparently no one in the Marvel universe knows how to fo- solve a bullet wound. And keep in <laughs> mind, Aunt May isn't dead at this point. She's just in the process of dying. Um, so literally Mephisto's deal isn't so much to bring Aunt May back from the dead, but to keep Aunt May from dying. Because apparently no one in the Marvel Universe, not even like Doctor Doom or Doctor Strange or Mr. Fantastic or Tony Mag- Stark Magneto, or Magneto, just like fucking no, <laughs> none of them know. He even goes to Doc Ock to like ask for help. And you, you think like, you know, you Come know, on, Doc, you got a magnet? something you think you think the aunt's ex you know almost husband would be able to solve the problem but i guess doc Ock couldn't do it it was very so the consequence weird. of of not letting her die or keeping her alive not even bringing her back from the dead is he undoes his marriage to mary jane right yeah because mephisto according to mephisto his logic is this marriage is so pure and wonderful that it'll cause people great pain if he is no longer married uh yeah you know what dude they won't do that yeah they won't That's do such that such a fucking widely reviled storyline that a casual with the books like myself even knows about bad it is yeah and for them to do that at this point in time even if you change the deal from like you know undo your marriage to mary jane to like i don't know whatever the consequence could be i just think it's uh, he you can have mephisto be like responsible or like not responsible for but um, kind of a cause of Spider-Man's because that's the other thing that I think sort of gets lost, uh, especially with what we've seen with Spider-Man in the MCU to this point, I guess, except his own movies. But like anytime we see him in other people's movies, we see him on the on the grand stage, in this big kind of scale. And we lose sight of the fact that, you know, uh, in comparison to a lot of other Marvel heroes, he's like a street level guy in a lot yeah. of cases. Uh, so seeing what he has to deal with as a result of the end of Spider-Man two, I heard Charlie Cox might've just finished shooting some scenes as Matt Murdock too. Yeah. I was hearing the same thing. I think, I think we're going to see is a lot of, uh, I'm hoping it's like, there's a lot of court drama. I really hope we're, there's like an, we're going to see that. a complete step away from this mystic bullshit is my point. Oh yeah. I'm hoping so too, because I know Dr. Strange is in the movie also. Like he was one of the first cast members confirmed. So I feel like you're going to see multiverse shenanigans ensue. And I'm wondering uh, how they're going to incorporate the multiverse is the only thing. Like, that's the big question, the how. Um, And how will WandaVision intersect with it? We don't know for sure yet. But I think if we don't go with the whole one more day, which is awful, like you were saying before, it's one of the most most widely hated stories of all time. Uh, There is another storyline. Uh, that's more recent that could potentially have an impact. And it's a storyline written uh, in the events of, I think it's called The Symbiote Spider-Man, I think it is. It's like a series that takes place during the past in the modern Spider-Man canon um, when Spider-Man still had the symbiote costume where he just goes to Doctor Strange. No, it wasn't him. It's um, where Barry Mordo and Hobgoblin go to Doctor Strange's like sanctum, sanctum and just mess with stuff. And it causes the universe to get rewritten and just oh. causes like a lot of weird um, 
timey-wimey stuff to happen. That's another storyline that could potentially be, uh, I don't want to say like the story they go with, but as influence on what they choose to do. These are all just random storylines that we've that people have been speculating this whole time that could play into it. But you know, again, these are all different storylines that are of varying quality. Um, the tiny wimey one is more just like a contained pocket dimension thing, kind of like what you're seeing in WandaVision to an extent, where it's just like contained, fixed by the end of the story, nothing permanent happened. But you could see like what would happen if Hobgoblin had like extra powers or whatever, <laughs> you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, the events of WandaVision are going to culminate. We're going to see the end of that season. We're going to go into Spider-Man 3, and it's going to be picking up off of Spider-Man 2. WandaVision is going to be a million miles from our thoughts, and then there's going to be that moment when like, the end of WandaVision and that culmination of season one, that, that timing lines up with that, wherever we are in Spider-Man 3, and then people probably look around wonder what the fuck happens spider-man's going through his courtroom drama with matt murdoch and then he's attacked by uh alfred molina's fucking doc ock from you know 20 years ago or something like that you see that i can't wait confusion. for it. see yeah. alfred molina i can't wait for it I, did you see um oh it just came out it was um i didn't I only, i've only seen a bit of it so far i haven't finished it but alfred molina's in it um oh Fraud. I can't remember the name of it. Because you haven't seen enough of it, man. No, exactly. I just know that uh, Alpha Million is in it. Um, Promising Young Women. There we go. I have not, no. Yeah, Alpha Molina plays like a lawyer in it. After seeing, I saw like Molina's scene in it. I still have to get the movie myself. But um, he's, uh, no, he could do it. I think he's going to be really great as Doc Ock coming back again. Because, you know, sometimes you think of, like, oh, it's an actor coming back to play a role they played 20 years ago. How well, how effective can he be at it? But, you know, people forget Molina's a really great actor. <laughs> like, Yeah, and he was a really good, I mean, the, the costume was a little Matrix-y. <laughs> a little bit. Um, it was the early 2000s. You know, a lot of the costumes weren't. Uh, yeah, but I also, th- at the time, too, like, were you going to put him in, like, a, a green and gold, like, you know, plated fucking armor suit? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a difficult line to walk uh, 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Nowadays, I don't know. We'll see what they look to get away with uh, with Alfred Molina, but they'll probably just stick him back in that early 2000s trench coat, man. I'm more worried about Jamie Foxx, honestly, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Jamie Foxx is like the throw-in just to be like, oh, and the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man universe is here too. Look, like he better have, I, I hope he has the least amount of time of all the villains that they've announced. Because they've announced a few villains at the point where I'm oh, like, oh, yeah. this is looking a little crowded. One of them is going to have to like bite the bullet on having a reduced amount of screen time. And I'm fine if it's him because those movies were not very good. Yeah, I think you're gonna, it's either going to be Electro or it's going to be like Sandman, which is a shame because I actually like Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman personally. Yeah, he wasn't terrible either. He was one of the better parts of that terrible movie. Yeah, yeah. he. I liked him in it. I think he was it, – it's, it's definitely a problem where it's like there's just too many things going on at once. But if they just – there's a good movie in, in Spider-Man 3 somewhere. It's just – there's just so much other stuff just – that. There's a good movie in Spider-Man 3 if you chunk out like 40 fucking percent of it and then build another 60 percent around that 40 percent and make Spider-Man 4. Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. It really if this was two movies, it would be much better. And with less Peter Parker dancing, which is arguably one of the best or worst parts of the movie, depending on who you ask or how many drinks in you are. 
Yeah, I'm fine with it. I yeah. mean, what's... it depends. It depends on what, feeling, what mindset I'm in. Being bad feels good, man. Being bad feels good to the point where you dance real evil and stuff. No, um, yeah. All right. So we've covered a lot of ground. WandaVision, uh, Chris Evans returning, Spider-Man 3, Doctor Strange stuff. This is very um, interesting uh, stuff. I mean, eventually we'll have a more formal um more uh formalized platform i'll say mm-hmm. for us to have these conversations more regularly indeed, and that's indeed. all i'll say about that for right now how about <laughs> that like that, that sounds, for a tease it's a good tease it's good it's good, good solid tease i'll say it's a good tease <laughs> so uh if you got to the end here uh i appreciate you guys listening um make sure you rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts if you subscribe on apple podcasts Maybe leave us a review. If you do, I'll read it. Actually, somebody left me a review the other day, and uh, it was like more of a question, I think. So I'm not going to read it right now, but I will read you in the future, good sir, with your question review or review in the form of a question. Sounds like a very um, questionable yeah. review. Yeah, it was definitely questionable and in in definitely in the form of a question. I've said the word question so much in the last 30 seconds has lost all meaning. So I'm going to cut that shit out. <laughs> um, follow us on Instagram at DB Super Dope, Twitter at DB Super Dope one, number one, YouTube.com slash Dragon Ball Super Dope. Go take a look at the good work the young man Matthew is doing for us. And uh, Patreon.com slash Dragon Ball Super Dope if you want to help support us. I will talk with y'all soon. And thanks for coming on, buddy. I'll talk with you soon, man. Always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure. WandaVision is on my TV. I wasn't a very good. I'm fucking, I'm getting so bad with these endings. I'm so desperate for Dragon Ball to come back, man. Like.